Holiday Survival Guide, week three. If it's your first time here, let me catch you up in just a few seconds. We, uh, holidays are so unique, right? During the last five weeks of the year, we tend to spend more time with immediate and extended family than we do the entire rest of the year combined on average. And uh, it's just an amazing time of the year. It can be crazy and insane, or it could be wonderful. It just kind of depends on your family dynamic and what you have going on. Every family is different, and uh, sitcoms are famous for a reason, because they just, it's, it's humanity on display. And maybe your family is like that. Maybe you live in like a real-life sitcom. Uh, what we wanted to do leading up to the holidays, and, and this is for not just Thanksgiving, but for Christmas and whatever uh, other tradition your family holds as well. But uh, we wanted to talk about a holiday survival guide. How do we get through this unscathed, you know, depending on your different context? And, and so week one, we talked about it, and we want to compare it to like a survival guide. So week one, we said the first thing you got to do to survive is you got to seek shelter. And for us during the holidays, love, real, genuine love is like a shelter from the storms of life. So we talked about that in week one and how we're to love our neighbor. And we learned about the Good Samaritan. And then last week, we learned about materialism. And because, I mean, Black Friday is just around the corner and they're already starting the weekly Black Friday deals, which makes no sense. And because, uh, I mean, they don't even wait anymore. And, um, and it's, I don't know, I have my own issues with sales. It's like, nah, we're just joking. It's not really that much. It's really this price. You know, we could make a profit. You know, we could slash it 75%. It just makes me mad. Because I'm like, well, why do you sell it that much all the other times? I don't know. Maybe it's personal. But, uh, but we talked about money and materialism and greed and how the holidays really don't, uh, they don't do anything to, to promote greed, I think. Really, it just reveals it in our own hearts, and we're all susceptible to it. So last week, we talked about what does it take to not be a scavenger, not to consume our life on the dead things around us, but to truly enjoy Christ. And so we talked about that last week, had a great time. Then this week, we want to talk about bitterness, bitterness, bitterness is like poison ivy. We're going to talk about that here. You know, we all have plenty of reason to be bitter with life, with ourselves, with our family, with our coworkers, right? I mean, we all have some resentment. In fact, bitterness is, is anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly, resentment. And, and eventually, I think we all develop some bitterness one way or the other. Some of you in here today, you've been nursing some bitterness for decades, um, I, I personally, I can tell that story. I've carried around some bitterness that the Lord had to help me through. Uh, I carried around for years and years and years and years. So well over 10 years, maybe 15. And the Lord had to help me walk through that to really, by God's grace, to be able to forgive some people uh, who I thought, who I, I had perceived had wronged me. And so we all fall under the power of bitterness at one point or another. And this is so important during the holidays because if you have bitterness towards your friends or your families, during the holidays, you're gonna be with them. And there's nowhere to run and hide. And so, I mean, bitterness is visible to everyone else sometimes, uh, even though we may think not everyone else sees it. In fact, it's been said about bitterness is that bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. It's completely self-inflicted. It only hurts us, but everyone else around us can see it. And I think deep down inside, we wanna justify our bitterness. And it could be petty or it could be huge. Um, and there's all kind of funny illustrations we could talk about, things that we get bitter over that really just don't even matter, don't they? But we wanna justify our bitterness. We, we say, well, well, Stephen, you know, you don't know what they did to me. Well, you're right, I don't. Or, or they don't deserve forgiveness. Well, my goodness, who does? 
or what, what has been done can never be undone. You don't understand. I can never let go of this bitterness. Or I've heard it said and I've seen it. If I show any weakness, they will just take advantage of it. How can I give forgiveness? How can I, I'll, I'll lose everything if I do because it's a high stakes game now with bitterness. You know, and I've, a long time ago, and a wonderful godly woman, I heard her say that everyone has a story to tell and a reason to fail. Everyone does. And if we all sit around the table and if we all to open up our hearts and, and truly talk to one another and bear our soul, we all have a reason why we won't make it, why we shouldn't forgive or why God can't use us. We all have a reason. And what I want to encourage you today is that as we look at bitterness, as we take a hard look at it, I want us all to see this one thing today, and that's this, is that bitterness is an issue of belief. Bitterness is an issue of belief. Let me tell you why. Hebrews 12, 15, the writer of Hebrews, he's telling the Jewish people, and he says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Pay attention. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. A root of bitterness. Notice the Bible compares bitterness to like a plant. There's this root, this root of bitterness. And, and just like a plant, it takes root and then it spreads and it grows. And for our purpose for this series, bitterness is like poison ivy. Because you get it quick and then it just begins to spread. But not only does it spread all over you, bitterness spreads to others as well. And it's a constant chronic thing that now you have to nurse. I'm really, really allergic to poison ivy, which is terrible because I love being outdoors, except for whenever it's cold. And uh, I love being outdoors. And um, I've, I've had to do everything. I've learned all the different tricks on how to avoid getting poison ivy or oak or sumac or all that. South Louisiana is just covered with poisonous things. And, uh, and, and it's, a, it's terrible. One time it, it was so bad that I had to go to the doctor and get a shot just to stop the inflammation. I mean, whenever you get covered in poison ivy, it, it's no bueno. It's not going to be a good day. And especially if you're out in the field for a few days and you're camping or whatever, that's one of the worst things that can happen. And in our own personal lives, letting bitterness take root in our hearts, it's one of the worst things that we could let happen. It begins to spread quickly, sometimes unnoticed, until it just pops up everywhere. That's one of the most terrible things about bitterness. And notice what he says, many become defiled. This is not just about you. It is not just about me. Whenever we talk about bitterness, we're not just talking about how it affects you. This root of bitterness, it springs up, causes trouble, and defiles many. Many, many, many. And just like poison ivy, bitterness spreads and spreads. You know, I heard it said that what you don't forgive, you will eventually become. And I haven't been alive a long time, but I've lived long enough to see this happen over and over and over and over. Whenever we harbor bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment, we end up modeling the very thing that we hate. It's so important that we cut bitterness out of our life, that we go to the root of bitterness and we deal with it there. Instead of just putting, uh, you know, it's, it's like treating poison ivy. All we could do is, you know, put some calamine lotion or something on, but whatever it is. But really, if you want to get rid of poison ivy, you have to go outside and you have to dig that thing up by the roots to get rid of it or else you'll just keep on visiting that same site and keep on getting it over and over again. It's the same thing in our hearts. We have to go for the root. And, and this is why we need to be concerned is because bitterness is actually an issue of belief. I know that sounds crazy, but if you are a Christ follower, 
If you're in here today and you say, Stephen, I follow Jesus, I love the Lord, and I'm in it all the way. Listen, we are not allowed to keep bitterness in our heart. <laughs> this is crazy. And really, this is just for the Christians in the room today. If you're not a Christian, you could harbor bitterness all you want. There's no, maybe some psychiatrists are telling you not to do it because there's obvious ill effects. Uh, one of the number one symptoms of people that are homeless and on the street is bitterness. Bitterness. On a chemical level, it has poisoned them, thrown their hormones all off whack. And, but if you're a Christ follower, we are not even allowed. God commands us to let go of this bitterness. Look at what Paul said to the Colossians. He said, bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you what? Must forgive. You must forgive. And this is easy. Amen, that's a good verse. Until somebody really wrongs you and they don't want to say, I'm sorry. Then it gets real. But you still, it doesn't, this is not dependent on the other person. You must forgive. Why? Because Christ forgave us. We didn't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. Other people don't deserve it. They can't earn it. Yet we must forgive. Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your heavenly father forgive your trespasses. It just got real. This is a command from the Lord. And remember, it all starts with me. Come on, say that. It starts with me. Romans 12, 18. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is not about others today. Now, your bitterness can spread. That root of bitterness can defile many. But whenever it comes to forgiveness, it starts with you. This is a one-party action. Just like Christ, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's the same thing. We are to forgive others before they ask for it, before they deserve it. No one ever will deserve it. You can't earn it. That's this picture of the gospel, isn't it? It's an amazing picture. We, as much as it depends on us to live peaceably, with all. That's why forgiveness, true forgiveness, is rooted in faith in Christ. Remember, bitterness is an issue of belief. So we should give expecting nothing in return. We should give forgiveness expecting nothing in return. Luke 6.35 says, love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. Why? You will be sons of the most high for God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And my friend, that is me. I was the one that was ungrateful and evil. Whenever Christ died, it was for me while I was yet in my sin. And God saved me, not because of the good things that I've done. Believe me, you follow me around, you'll find flaws, plenty. He didn't save me because I earned it or because I'm good enough. He saved me by his grace. And now, as a Christ follower, God has called me to offer that same forgiveness to others. We cannot hold on to bitterness. This is why bitterness is actually an issue of belief, which you believe about God, which you believe about God's word and about life and how God has called us to live will dictate whether or not you're able to even hold on to bitterness, whether or not you'll even want to. Why do, I mean, people hold on to bitterness because we feel justified and it feels good. That's why. It's like the Hulk, you know, he likes it when he's angry. You know, we all have a little Hulk in us, a little, a little bit of this thing that wants to be justified, wants revenge. But God has called us to give as much as it depends on us to live at peace with all men. So let's look, what I wanna do today is I wanna look at some very, very practical ways 
I'm gonna give you four. These are not in order, and this is not exhaustive by any means, but I wanted to look into God's word and give us four practical things that we could do today as we dive into the holidays as we, so that we can survive the holidays. We can avoid the poison ivy of bitterness all around us. You guys ready? Let's dive into these today. Number one, how do we stop bitterness from spreading? Number one, we have to trust God's good intentions. We have to trust God's good intentions. Sometimes it's easier to trust our doctor than it is to trust God, isn't it? Because he's there and he went to school and, you know, it's, oh, I'll just do what you say. But whenever God tells us something in his words, oftentimes it's very difficult for us. Even, even if you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, it does, some things do get easier over time. But some things are just difficult. And I think that's why God had to command us to do them so that we would actually do them. But whenever God tells you and I how to live to the fullest, we all have a tendency to pull away or to push back against what God's telling us to do. And again, this bitterness is an issue of belief. Look at Colossians 3.8. He says, but now you must put them all away. You must, you must get rid of these anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. You must put these away. And he's not, he says, we must put these away for your own good, for your own good. God isn't trying to keep you away from good things, from the good things of wrath and malice and envy. He's not trying to keep you from good things. His desire for you and I is to experience his goodness in this life. That's what God wants you and I to experience. But we cannot do that if we refuse to put away the very things that cause us harm and cause harm to those around us. And bitterness is one of those things. We have to trust God's good intentions. The second thing that we have to do is we have to celebrate God's forgiveness. Celebrate God's forgiveness. Well, Stephen, that's easy. I know it sounds easy. Well, let me tell you a little bit about my story. I, the churches I grew up in, this was not celebrated. And I know that may sound so strange to you, but it wasn't celebrated because it was not okay to not be okay. See, everyone was afraid of judgment, so everyone just lied about their struggles. And to admit that you were presently grateful for personal forgiveness meant that you had sinned as well. And then you painted this target on your back, and then they, oh, no, we can't have any sin in this church. Get out. And so what ends up happening in an environment where people can't just be real is everyone lies. And that's been my experience. I can tell you, I'm, this is firsthand. That's what Metro Church will never be a church like that. That's why one of our core values is radical acceptance. Wherever you're at and you walk with Christ, that's okay, as long as you're walking with Christ. But I mean, we, I mean, God can handle whatever it is you bring to him, believe me. If he can bring me from where I was to where I am today, and I, and I haven't arrived by any means, no matter where you start, Christ can take you to where he wants you to be. So the first way that we have to celebrate God's forgiveness is in our own life. We have to be free to be able to do that. We have to have the, the liberty to be able to say, I am not perfect, and God has forgiven me, and my mind is blown by that fact. I am so grateful. And we have to have a church and a culture where that is okay, that is celebrated. Man, that's right, God's forgiven me too, man. I got all these things in my life, in my marriage, in my job, whatever it is, but God's dealing with me, and God's changing me. I'm not where I was, but I ain't where I wanna be either. I'm on my way, I'm walking with Christ. We have to be able to celebrate God's forgiveness for ourselves. The second way we have to celebrate God's forgiveness is the forgiveness of others. And this is difficult because what if God forgives someone that you don't think deserves it? 
What if God calls you to forgive someone who hasn't apologized or who doesn't see that they're wrong? My goodness, that might be one of the most difficult things that Christ ever calls us to do. What if God calls you to forgive yourself for something that you don't deserve forgiveness for? See, we have to celebrate God's forgiveness. This is a huge thing, and we could spend a whole series just talking about this one thing, but we have to celebrate God's forgiveness for ourselves, and we have to be able to celebrate God's forgiveness for others, and not just celebrate it. We have to celebrate what Jesus did at the cross for us. We have to celebrate the gospel, and we have to celebrate it often. We have to do those things. Celebrate God's forgiveness in our lives. We have to trust God's good intentions. We have to celebrate God's forgiveness. Number three, we have to rely on God's justice. We have to rely on God's justice. Remember, we're talking about how bitterness is an issue of belief. And as we trust God in each one of these areas, as we trust God, as we trust his good intentions, as we celebrate the forgiveness that he gives us and that he gives others, and as we rely on God's justice, we're going to see some amazing change in our own life. We're going to see so much peace and so much joy in our own life. What does it look like to rely on God's justice? This is so interesting. And if you're not a Christ follower, if you're here and you're just kind of checking out church, this is, this is going to be really interesting for you. We were all made in God's image. That's what, that's what the Bible teaches us. We, it's called the image deo, this, this, the image of God. And God, he imaged himself in us. And, and in Genesis, he said, let us make man in our image. And so he made Adam, this grown, living, breathing, intelligent, speaking, comprehending, creative man made from the dust. It was an amazing event. And so Adam was made in God's image, and some people think that means spirit, soul, and body, and and because God is a trinity, and and I mean, just this complex, I mean, the unknowable nature of God, right? And so we're just looking at this, and and I believe the trinity and and how we're made isn't one of those things that we can fully understand, but it is something that we should marvel at, should cause just awe and wonder as we look at the plan of God and the hand of God. But we rely on God's justice. And because you were made in God's image, you have some of God's desire for justice on the inside of you. Where does that come from? That's wrong. No, don't don't tear down these people. They can't defend themselves. Where does that come from? Because if it was truly survival of the fittest, that wouldn't even be on our radar, wouldn't it? But we're made in God's image. And God's justice is in our veins. And so we fight for the poor. And we speak for those who can't speak themselves. And we, we have things in our community to help uh, those children who are hungry. And we have things like adoption and foster. We have all these things that we've created because we're made in God's image. I think it's amazing. And it's a testimony of how God's made us. But if we are going to get away from bitterness, if we're going to walk away from the pain that it causes us and causes others, we have to rely on God's justice because God will right all wrongs. He will. Not yet, but he will. There's a day coming whenever we will all stand before Christ and give an account. The Bible says that he's the judge of the living and the dead, that all will stand before Christ and give an account. And, and God's And we were made in God's image, and so we desire this justice as well. And we have to believe that God's justice will prevail. Look at Romans 12, 19. It says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, this is New Testament. 
Like Old Testament, God killed people and nobody batted an eye, right? This is New Testament. Oh, it's a new covenant. And no, this, man, it's all this grace. No, this is the Apostle Paul telling the Roman church. He says, hey, calm down. Don't get vengeance for yourself. Leave it to God. He's way better at it than you are. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay, verse 20, to the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, what are we to do? Feed them. If our enemy is thirsty, don't let them uh, starve or die of thirst. Give them something to drink in. By doing so, you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. One of the ways that we could rely on God's justice is to not, not to go after those who have wronged us, but to bless those who curse us, to pray for those who despitefully use us. That's what Jesus has called us to do anyway. And again, if you're not a Christ follower, take all the vengeance you want. That's probably what you need to do and what you're being told to do, to get justice for yourself and to get them back. But if you're a Christ follower, see, bitterness is an issue of belief. If you're a Christ follower, he calls us not to take vengeance. And there's sometimes where justice needs to prevail. There's some people who just, they won't repent, they won't change, they need to be off the street, whatever that means. We all know those situations. And those things happen. It's not... This, I do not believe that this verse says never press charges, never protect yourself. I don't think it means that. I think it's whenever it comes to your heart and you know whenever vengeance is brewing in there and whenever you're ready to take action, God says, whoa, 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 boy, let me handle this. You keep your heart pure, bless them, pray for them. Don't let bitterness take over you because it will spread all over you, your friends, your family, your loved ones. Don't let bitterness spread and our example, ultimately, is Christ. And we see the Apostle Peter, he's, he's writing in this, in this letter to the church. He's trying to get us to see what Jesus endured so that we can endure these hard things also because it is hard. In 1 Peter 2.21, he says, For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So what we're about to read next is the example that he left us. Verse 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. But when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Reviled is mocked and abused verbally. He did not revile in return. He didn't get in a screaming match. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. God, Jesus came, the word of God made flesh, God the Son. And he, even he, entrusted himself to God's vengeance, that God would judge justly. And whenever things happen to us and whenever we have reason for vengeance, the Bible calls you and I to pray for those people, to bless those who curse us. If our enemy is hungry, go bring him food. It's not about winning the fight. It's about letting God's love fill every part of our lives. And this is drastically different from what culture is telling us to do today. Stand up for your rights. and I mean, we hear it all the time. Such a strange political environment we have in these days. But God's word does not change. We're to rely on God's justice. So we gotta trust God's good intention. We gotta celebrate God's forgiveness of ourselves and for others. We have to rely on God's justice. And number four, we have to know that God wastes nothing. Come on, say nothing. See, bitterness is an issue of belief. And if we believe that God wastes nothing, it doesn't make what you endure easier, I'll tell you that. Because I've endured some things and you've endured some things. 
But being a few years down the line, listen, if you're going through it right now, if you feel like the pressure is more than you can handle right now, I wanna encourage you today. I have been where you're at, believe me. I've been there, I've prayed. I've prayed for a decade and haven't seen any fruit. I've been there, I've done that before. And say, well, if God is so good, why does he allow these things to happen? We don't have those answers. I wish we did. That would make it all a little too simple, I think. We don't understand how God does everything. We don't understand the things that we've gone through or why God allowed this to happen, but we have to know that God wastes nothing. We have to know that, that everything that he brings us through, he will use. Look at 1 Peter 1, verse 6. In this, you rejoice. He's talking about rejoicing. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. He's talking to the church being persecuted by Nero. That's who he's talking to. Grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter's saying that your faith is like gold. And the way that it is purified in God is by being heated up, by being boiled, and all the impurities rise to the surface, and we're able to scrape those things off. Do you know that that's how God purifies you and I as well? It's like we go into the crucible of holiness, and he he just puts us in a place. He says, just stay, just trust. Just stay, just trust. Look at me, eyes on me, stay, trust. Keep your eyes on your Father, stay, just trust me. And whenever that stuff rises to the top, takes care of it, and we see our lives change a little more. God, this Lord is hot here. I can't handle this. Man, there's, they're lying about me. They're saying these things. Kick me out of this business deal. My family won't talk to me. Just stay, just trust. Just keep me first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Lord, it's hard. I know. Just stay and just trust. Look at Jesus. Look what he endured. Eyes on the cross. Remember, for the joy set before you, you can endure this. Stay and trust. And let me tell you, I've been there. I've done that. And on the other side of it, Now with joy in my heart, I could tell you, I wouldn't have chose what God brought me through, but I wouldn't change it either because it was instrumental in who God God was making me to be. And the great news is, and I'm so encouraged today, is that that is not over for me. And my friend, that is not over for you. And if you've jumped out of the pot, if you said, no, God, I can't do it. This is too much. I can't handle the loss that I have to take by following you. I can't handle the hardship. I can't handle the spiritual battles that I have to endure. I wanna encourage you today to jump right back in and trust your father, eyes on him, trust him, stay. You don't have to do this part. You just have to stay, that's it. He is working, the fire of God's holiness is working in your life, he's purifying your heart. Just stay, trust him, eyes on him, stay right there. Just stay a little longer, and it hurts, I know it hurts. Stay a little longer, trust and believe that God wastes nothing. And I believe that you will be able to say the end just like I can. Just like I've heard so many say, I wouldn't have chosen, but now I won't change it. Lord, great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Bitterness is an issue of belief. And as we go into the holidays and as we're with family, I want to encourage you today to let that bitterness go. To start the process of removing that root of bitterness, whatever it is, and maybe you already know what it is. It's what you thought someone said or what you heard someone say. And I remember, oh my gosh, in my family, somebody, an extended relative, overheard something that one of my family members said and they misheard them and it caused over a decade of fights. True story. 
didn't talk, weren't friends, they couldn't, and then they got to the root of it, and it was a misunderstanding. My goodness, can you imagine? Thank God we found out. Thank God we're able to get past that root of bitterness. But listen, I want to encourage you, whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever that root is in your heart, go after the root. Before you do anything else, before you start hacking away at the leaves, go for the root. Have that conversation. You go first and apologize. But Stephen, I didn't do anything wrong. I totally understand. Apologize anyway. As much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You go first. Bitterness is an issue of belief. And because we believe what God has said about life and about ourselves, we can be free from bitterness. Amen. Let's pray. Let's stand on our feet today. We're going to pray for those who are dealing with bitterness. And maybe you're struggling with that today. Listen, I don't think you're here by accident. I believe that God wants to touch your heart today. Whatever it is that you're going through, the bitterness that you're holding, God wants to address those things in your life because they are keeping you from the life that God has called you to live. Because God wants you to experience his life and his promises here in this life. And he doesn't want to waste what you're going through. He wants to use this because God works all things together for good for those who love him and who are called. So right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in here today and you would say, this is a moment just between you and the Lord, and you would say, Stephen, you know, I, I have bitterness in my heart and I'm ready for this. I'm ready for God to deal with this today. I'm ready to let the Lord start dealing with this area of bitterness today. Right now, nobody looking around. Would you just slip your hand up to the Lord as we pray this morning? If that's you, that's great. See those hands. Just lift your hands to the Lord as we pray. God, you see your people today. God, you see the hands that are lifted. God, you see what's happening in our lives. God, you see what we've gone through, what we've had to endure. God, you see the wrongs that others have done to us. Lord, you see what we have done to others. God, and because of all of this mess, now there's bitterness. But Father, we don't want to live in this bitterness anymore. God, we want to be free. And Lord, we know that bitterness comes down to our beliefs. And Lord, we believe you. And we believe what you say about bitterness and about life and about us. And so today, God, we say, have your way in our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would expose this root of bitterness wherever it may be. God, that you would help us to have the conversation, help us to make the apology, help us to make the phone call, help us to write that letter, whatever it is that we need to do. God, help us to go first. So, Lord, we know that it depends on us, Lord, as much as it depends on us to live at peace with all. And so, God, as we go into these holidays, God, we don't want to be tangled up in bitterness, covered in this, this resentment that causes trouble and it spreads, it defiles many. God, we want to live free from bitterness as a church and as individuals and as families. God, we want to live free. God, and we thank you that we can. And, Lord, we ask that you would uproot this bitterness in our hearts. In Jesus' good name. 